You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart-to-heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, today on the Walk It Up podcast, I'm so excited because I have a new friend here, Nicole Zazowski. She's the author of a new book, Lost and Found, and the subtitle, I love this, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What Will Set You Free. Nicole is a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm loving the therapist. You guys know this. (laughs) She's a writer and a speaker. She lives in Connecticut with her husband and two young boys, and she's an old soul who wears her heart proudly on her sleeve. So Nicole, thank you so much for being here to walk it out. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Trisha. I'm really excited to talk with you. No, I love so much of your book, but we're just going to start from the beginning because the title right there, From Lost to Found, (laughs) before we get to the found part, let's talk about some of the lost part. And I know Mm. one of those things includes like a big move. We've moved from Montana, where I thought I would live forever. Now we're in Arkansas and you go from one coast to another two. But just first tell us in general, some of the things that really left you feeling lost. Yeah, so I describe the move as you know the first chapter takes place in in your version of Montana which is was Pasadena California for me. I could see myself staying there forever. Uh, I was a it was a place that was very comfortable but it was also a life that I mm. uh felt very successful in and um supported in. We had a great community. I was really in in the world's eyes very much thriving. Um And I'll come back to why I said the world's eyes in a minute. (laughs) Um, But our move across the country to New England, um, I had no idea would be the beginning of a season that could largely be characterized by change and loss. Um, The tangible losses in that season were uh, included five miscarriages. um, And in the midst of that journey, discovering that there's a diagnosis that makes that more likely than not, um, anytime I get pregnant. So, um, you know, there's, there was some, I guess freedom would be the word in having an answer. Cause I know lots of people who struggle with infertility never get those answers. Right. Um, but unfortunately the answer we got, there was no, um, solve, um, nothing we could do medically or, um, you know, put any sort of money toward to make different. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so I started confronting things that I could not use my own performance and hard work and control to make different. Um, no amount of perfection on my part or proving myself was going to, um, rescue me from the pain that I was feeling, which then revealed, um, and this is circling back to why I said in the world's eyes, um, earlier, because in that life in Pasadena, um, I didn't know that I was, my faith was very supported by 
other people's accolades, my own achievements. Um, and in these tangible losses, I also lost those props to my faith and the securities that promised way more than they could deliver. Um, and so that was, that was the good loss. It was still really painful. Um, but everything, all those, you know, my idols were called out as frauds, all those false securities, uh, were stripped away and I was left empty handed. And that was, um, not easy. But what I realized in that moment was only empty hands are open. Um, And what I started to receive with those open hands uh, was not only a lot of personal healing in terms of understanding what actually makes me valued and safe, um, but also receive a totally different kind of relationship with God than I had before. Um, Because I think when he's all you have in some ways. Um, and certainly I had other gifts too, but there were seasons where it felt like I was just clinging so tightly to him. Um, and that was a gift because it, it redefined my understanding of who he was, um, when all those misconceptions were stripped away. And also, you know, we, there started to a new relationship between the two of us started to emerge. Yeah, and I love that. I want to get to that part of the healing, but I don't want to jump over this because I think so many can relate, especially me. Um, that we, you say we think that, or you say that we think that perfection was a secret to connection, and we want people to clap for us, and we want to win people over with what we can do for them, but we're not being vulnerable in that. Um, and I think that is so important because I am a people pleaser. I want oh, to you know, look good and get every, you know, um, you know, have everyone get, give me good reviews for my books and, yes. um, you know, clap when yes. I speak. I mean, <laughs> all the things. And, but it, it almost is a wall. We think that we're trying to earn their approval, but really it's putting up a wall between us and them. Um, mm-hmm. So I would love to hear you talk about that more. Yeah. Um, the story that comes to mind is actually in the book. Um, but I, when I first moved to the East coast, of course I knew no one. Um, and I had left this really tight community where I felt very known and appreciated. And so, um, in that insecurity and loneliness, I turned to, um, people pleasing as a defense and proving myself. And I brought that right into my friendships, like not just with job interviews, but I thought that the more perfect I could be or the more, um, the more likable, whatever I thought that person was asking me to be in my own head. Um, the more I could be like that, the more loved I would be. Um, and I went out to dinner with this new friend and none of this was put on me by this individual herself. Um, but I just had it in my head, you know, those friends that you just really admire and you're hoping they'll like you too. And, um, so I went out to dinner with her and I was sort of in this space of, you know, just wanting to be exactly who I thought she wanted me to be. And I just asked a, kind of a casual question. I think I asked, you know, something like how, how long she and her husband had been married. And 
she just totally opened up to me about a really painful chapter in her story before um, she met her current husband. And I was overwhelmed by my love for her, by how close I felt to her in that moment. Um, and that was a really, if she did not know me that well, and that was a really vulnerable thing for her to share and how drawn to her I felt in that moment was a huge lesson for me that it's not our capabilities that knit us together. It's our vulnerabilities. Uh Um, it's, it's the shared element that we all have a deep need for Christ. Um, and whatever that looks like is different maybe between you and the next person, but the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We, we all need Jesus desperately. And, um, whatever story has taught us that might be different, but that's what draws us close to one another is being able to speak into those places where we hurt or aren't getting it right or feel like we're failing. Um, and so that was a big game changer for me, just in understanding what draws us together. Yeah. And I think so many times, like we want comfort. You talk about that. We want to be perfect and all these things. Like we're trying to build this false story and we're thinking, okay, this is the story, but something that really um, grew, uh, the questions that grew out of that is you you talk about anxiety grows out of that, um, which Mm -hmm. I want you to go into more because I'm like, all these connections are going off in my head of, okay, we need to be comfortable. We need to be perfect. And then we're anxious because of it, but it's not truth. It's all the story that we're making up mm-hmm. and then anxiety. So I'm like, it's like, as I'm reading, I'm going, Oh my goodness, there's ding, ding, ding bells going off mm-hmm. in our mind. We're doing this to ourselves. So I would love you to explain like how that anxiety comes into it when we're trying to just build this world that isn't truth, that is kind of just made up. Yeah. So, um, often we talk about anxiety as a, as a primary emotion because it is a feeling, it's a experience. Um, but it's actually a secondary emotion, um, or a reaction. So anytime we're feeling anxiety, um, I've just learned to see it in my own life as a clue. I'm either believing a lie about who I am about my identity, or I'm believing a lie about my sense of security. Um, And a really helpful definition, I write about this in the book as well. Um, I learned that the Greek word for anxiety can be translated to, um, to be divided. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard that definition before. Um, but it was so, it made so much sense to me because I realized in my life, um, and other people's root of their anxiety might be different. Um, but in my life, I was believing so many lies about where my personal value came from that I was like, you can relate to this with the, the people pleasing. I was, uh, there were so many sources of my actions. Like I was driven by so many different things and pleasing so many different people and trying to be all things to all people. Um, of course that's impossible. So the result is anxiety. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Amazon book reviews and wanting people to clap for you when you speak. And, and I so resonate with that. 
And I realize that when there's more than one object of my worship, I get also get anxious. And so a big check for me in that is making God the one source of my actions, like, you know, doing what I'm called to do uh, by him and then making him the one object of my worship. And if there's lies that start to multiply those things, I'm going to get anxious. Yeah. That's the quote I wrote down is what you just said. Oh, really? (laughs) Maybe the secret to security is not something that can be earned or manufactured from the outside, but is making God the one source of our actions and the only object of our worship. Mm. Because what a difference when we're doing these things as I'm doing these things, I'm worshiping you. You know, God, you are amazing. And I'm so thankful I'm able to share your truth. And if we're worshiping God in the doing and in the caring for people, what a difference then. Oh my goodness. Are they going to like me? And um, I need to be perfect and my house needs to be perfect. And I can't have people over until my house is perfect. I mean, it's just such a different place that root of where it's coming from. Are we lifting Mm -hmm. our eyes to God or just trying to manufacture this for ourselves so we will get approval? Exactly. I'm thinking of a play date I just had an hour ago and you're speaking right <laughs> you're speaking right to my heart. <laughs> I think God just spoke to me through you. So thank you. <laughs> well, I think so many times I mean the things we write about are the things like God is working in us and through you know Absolutely. He's like, okay, oh and by the way you. <laughs> Yes, and by the way once you publish that book he's going to give you 9 million opportunities to practice the words you wrote as well. So it never ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I love how you talk about like you found yourself missing out in the peace and joy that you were passionate about helping others to find. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think we're always trying to like help people and be the answer or give them the answers. But then inside, we're kind of lacking that. So I'd love you to share more about that. Absolutely. So that goes along with Um, That comfortable life I was living in Pasadena, I was just starting my marriage and family therapy career, Um, and I was just loving the work. I felt very called to it. It was, um, I found it so rewarding. I still do. Um, Definitely what I was made to do in in many ways, Um, and because I, let me back up and say that there's four main ways that people tend to react to their pain. Mm-hmm. Um, blame, blaming others, shaming ourselves, um, controlling and escape. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, my, my reactions, performance, perfectionism, you know, some of those controlling behaviors tend to be very culturally celebrated. Right. Um, and, so they were kind of working for me. I was earning that approval that I so longed to have. I was, um, you know, I very easily confused being loved with being impressive. Um, and so I didn't realize that I was personally missing out on the freedom that I was passionate about helping my clients find because, Um, my goal was to, you know, help them find peace and joy outside of circumstance and also, you know, help them to know their value and sense of security, um, in whatever situation they found themselves in. And of course that looked different for every story, but broadly that was, you know, what, um, what most of my work looks like. 
And so it wasn't until I confronted my own painful season and I realized, oh my goodness, all my securities um, are gone or they stopped working for me, mm-hmm. essentially. And they had been working almost my whole life. And I'm using air quotes. Um, right. Because, of course, they weren't really bringing me peace and joy. I was constantly afraid that if I wasn't perfect, I was going to get rejected um, or I was going to slip off some pedestal, even if I did achieve what I wanted to. The the joy was fleeting because I was afraid, you know, I would slip off at any moment. Um, So they weren't really working, but they were working well enough to to make me to to make me blind to the fact um, that I death they were numbing the parts of myself that desperately needed healing. Right. Um, and it wasn't until they stopped working that I realized I needed a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I embarked on the journey that I lead my clients through. <laughs> um, so apparently I'm the therapist who seems to insist on learning everything the hard way, but <laughs> Well, I think that's helpful though, too. You know, to say yeah. like, I was there. I was there. I know how hard it is to change. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And you, ta- you talked about, um, you know, really, I mean, we're always rushing to do more. And I love how you said, you know, that is one of the things. It's like, if I could do more or be more, but God calls us to resting and returning. Um, and mm-hmm. so our hard work doesn't lead us to peace. So, you know, we talked about the lost part. So, you mm-hmm. know, you, you mentioned this, this journey. Let's talk about the found part and what you discovered mm-hmm. and what you now lead your clients through. Yeah. So um, going back to that empty handedness, um, what I discovered with those open hands is, you know, that I had been playing out with God what I played out with other people. And I think we all do that. Um, But what it looks like for me was um, I didn't realize how much I had been proving myself to God, not coming to him in that vulnerable place. Um, I can remember particularly after my first miscarriage, I was like, minimizing my grief big time. I was trying to be super mature and prove to him how, how much I was learning through the experience. I mean, just all this stuff that was so performance driven. Um, and of course I, I knew that he knew my, my real pain. Um, but it wasn't until I just got really honest about it. Um, and that, that performance obviously wasn't making me feel any better um, and was just keeping me from experiencing his comfort and touch in that place. Um, I think he was, I know he was absolutely there and present the whole time, but I couldn't access it because I wouldn't let him in. Um, and it wasn't until I just got really honest um, and, and that to me was the shedding of that performance um, and trusted the truth that I am valued outside of circumstance and began to trust the truth that my value is not on this roller coaster of whatever happens to me in a given moment, um, or how I perform. And so I was finally able to, um, let him in. And what I, what I found in the midst of that 
was not only did I have a totally new understanding of who he was um, and that I did not need to perform for love for him, um, but a different kind of intimacy emerged between the two of us. And I felt it, it didn't eradicate my pain because um, I think in this world, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have pain. Um, but it really changed it to walk it with Jesus for the first time instead of trying to get all fixed up and fine before I presented myself <laughs> to God. Um, and I'm laughing because it's not how I it's not how I ever would have articulated what I was doing, but it was it just shows you how tenacious our pain and reactions are because we'll play it out with God the same way we do with other people. Yeah, that's so true. I'm thinking of a point, you know, we have 10 kids. We adopted, adopted seven of them within like a five year span. So we went from, you know, teenagers, almost empty nesters to all of a sudden lots of kids, hard places. And I just remember like, I was able to keep a clean house before and meet all my writing deadlines (laughs) until all of a sudden I'm not able to do Mm -hmm. all those things. And I remember just like breaking down one day and just feeling like the still small voice. It wasn't audible, but God saying, I love you just as much when you have piles of laundry, like all around and you can't keep up with everything. I'm like, really? And, you know, I think we know it, but until Mm -hmm. we, until we're at that place that we really know it, that we really like, I have nothing. I can't even do this. I'm, yeah. I'm so exhausted from the moment I wake up now. And it's like, okay, God, I need you. And it's a deeper, it, I love how you use the word in your subtitle. Um, you know, what will set you free? That is the mm-hmm. freedom. Like, this is all I am. And you know that. Like, he knew that from the beginning. But I had to come sure. to a place where he knows, you know, where I know that, that he loves me just as much if I'm trying to do everything right or if I just cannot even, you know, do anything. I just feel like so weak and, and I need him. And that's where he wants us to be. And that's where freedom is found. Exactly. Exactly. When we're not rushing around hustling. <laughs> yeah. I love the, um, the message version of Matthew five, four, which you have in the book. Uh-huh. Um, oh my goodness. It says, um, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. I'm like, I'm going to print that up and post Isn't that. Isn't that amazing? I love that. And that's the message version. And um, just to, for people that might not be familiar, that's the, the verse that says, blessed are those who mourn so they yes. may be comforted. Yes. But um, I love that. Uh, yeah. All the Beatitudes in the message version are really powerful. Um not that the whatever version you <laughs> read your Bible in is, yeah. <laughs> but um, it just it illuminates the richness of that passage for me. Um, and yeah, that is one of my absolute favorite verses. And when I read it in the message version, it it, it helped me just see the fullness of it even more um, because often we think of blessing as you know, a goal achieved or a dream fulfilled, (laughs) you know, that's how we, you know, hashtag blessed, like, and it's always this amazing photo on Instagram or this awesome, um, achievement or thing that happens in a person's life. Um, that's how we tend to use that. And yet the Beatitudes are the opposite. You know, you're, 
you're blessed when, and it's mourning and meekness and all these things that in the world's eyes would not be considered blessings. Um, but I think that is really the heartbeat of my of my book and what I hope I, I convey to readers through their own story is that, you know, when we lose what we think we want, or if you have the courage to give up what you think you want, um, in terms of all those defenses that make us comfortable, but keep us stuck, um, you know, we are blessed because we receive tenfold, um, the perfect version of whatever we're looking for in the presence and person of Jesus Christ. Um, and I, I am so grateful that God used a story. I would have never been brave enough to choose for myself, um, to, to show me more of himself and to draw me closer to him and mold me more into his likeness. Yeah. And I think so many times when we're going through the, then we're in the middle of it, we're like, God, why? God, why are you letting this happen? And I always, you know, tell my kids, um, you know, God loves us the most and knows the perfect plan for us. So we just have to trust. Like we may not Mm -hmm. ever get the answer, but he loves us completely. And that hard stuff is for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if we can, you know, come to the place of freedom afterwards or, you know, um, just turning it all over to him, it is so worth it, even though it is hard. Like the pain, we cannot diminish the pain. No. But just having that freedom in him, um, you know, makes it realize that he wants he wants to pry our fingers off of the things yeah. that, that make us comfortable. So like like you said, we'll have open hands towards him. Yeah. And I think um, there is absolutely blessing in any story that inflames our longing for Christ. And I don't, I don't believe he is the author of our suffering. I know he's not, um, but he will absolutely, he loves us too much to, to waste it. And um, like you said, we'll use it to sometimes his rescue looks like prying our fingers off of what we won't let go of ourselves. And that's certainly what he did for me. I don't think I would have ever left my life in California and everything that came with it um, had, had, circumstances not pried my fingers off of those things right yeah and and, but then he he knows um and we could look to him and when we look to him that's where we find freedom and like that verse says um you know i never really thought about that much you know those blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted like he is the one that wants to comfort Mm -hmm. us he is the one that wants to embrace us and right um, he's the answer to all of those things he is the answer to all of those things it's so good okay so maybe there's someone out there that's listening to us today that is in the middle of that dark place um maybe they're saying okay you are comforted now and you have freedom now but you know where can i find hope and um, you know, just take a minute or two and just share and speak to that person in that place. Yeah. Um, first of all, sister or brother, you know, and I think, um, when you're in that pit, just being honest about what it feels like, um, to be there, um, and don't hold anything back. I I speak in the book about my complicated relationship with hope. Um, And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think 
I, I got to this point where I was so absolutely discouraged and tired of being disappointed that I thought, you know, what really is the point of hope? Right. It feels like it's just opening you up to be destroyed and, and disappointed and um, let down in some way. Um, and so I really questioned, like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I hoping I'm pregnant every month? Or why am I hoping that this baby is going to be healthy and I'm not going to have to say goodbye? Like, why? what's the point? Um, and there was a morning, I'm trying to think of the, the details of the story, but my, my friend texted me a verse from Lamentations. And it's probably the most familiar verse in Lamentations. It's, it's connected to the passage of his mercies are new every morning. Um, but what I love is if you read the whole passage, there is absolutely nothing that changes in the circumstances mm. of the author of that passage. Um, but he says, this I call to mind. Um, and for me, the courage to ask, keep asking God for the desires of my heart, whatever that might be, whether it's healing for yourself or a loved one or a change in circumstance or, you know, this dream to be fulfilled in your life, whatever it is, um, that being able to ask God for those things in the asking I was declaring certain things to be true about God, which were a tremendous comfort to me. So just like you would with a safe mom or dad, a safe parent, um, you know, a kid has no qualms, <laughs> no yeah. hesitation about asking for things when they know that they're loved and safe. Um, and to me, the practice of hope wasn't necessarily, um, you know, like I was, a, I kept doing it because I necessarily thought things were going to change at a certain point at my lowest point. I hoped they would. Mm -hmm. um, but the benefit of hoping was more of what it was doing inside of me. First of all, if you try and protect yourself from disappointment, you protect yourself from all of it. You, you can't experience any joy. You can't experience any intimacy that comes from, you know, your relationships because um, you're just so cut off from any kind of vulnerability. But then in the second benefit of hope is that, um, that I recognize is that I was reminding myself of what I knew to be true about God, regardless of the outcome. Um, and that was where I was finally able to be a little bit more open-handed in my case about how God grew our family because I knew he loved me. Um, I knew I was a prize to him. I knew he saw me. Um, I knew he cared deeply for me and, the details of my life. Um, and I was reminded of all these truths just in the asking. Yeah, that's so good. And really, you you still have faith if you're asking. <laughs> like yeah. The fact that you're asking God, it you know, the Bible talks about having the faith even the size of a mustard seed. But if you're even those desperate cries and prayers, yeah. you're having faith because you're turning uh -huh. to God for it. 
yeah, there's something there, even if it's, I can't possibly see how this is going to be different. Or what if it's never different? What does that mean for me? Um, what does that mean for my family? Um, but in just having that conversation with God, like you're saying, um, there's so much fruit that can come from engaging in that conversation. Right. Cause you know, and trying to hide it or not talk, I mean, just pray those things or talk about those things with God. He knows, he knows. So it's really just like you said, holding ourselves back. Um, Absolutely. And I believe me, I tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And so, you know, those moments, if you are crying and you're like, why God? I mean, you're turning to him, you're having mm-hmm. faith. So, um, and, and God will meet you there. And I think that is the amazing part is he's always pursuing us. Um, you know, he knows we're lost. He wants us to be found. So I, I love that so much. Yeah. So keep praying. Even if you're feeling like you're praying desperate prayers out there, um, you have faith and you have hope and you can cling to that. Okay. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I just appreciate you being here um, and just sharing with us. And like, you know, we're barely skimming the surface. I know you, you share so much more in the book. So I really encourage listeners to check out the book from Lost to Found. Um, and Nicole, where can people connect with you if they want to, um, just hear more or find out more about the book? Yes. I love connecting with, uh, readers and listeners. Um, so my website, I'll spell it cause my last name is a doozy. Um, it's www.nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, and then Z-A-S-O-W-S-K-I.com, NicoleZazowski.com. And then I'm at NicoleZazowski on Instagram. Those are the two places I hang out the most. Um, but I'm also Nicole Zazowski on Twitter and Facebook. Very cool. And I know we'll have all these links in the show notes. Great. Um, for everyone too. But thank you, Nicole, so much for being here and just sharing your heart with us today. Thanks for having me. This was, this went by fast. I want to, I want to come to your house and keep going, but thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank thank you. you. Well, friend, I am so thankful for Nicole. I am so thankful for her just pouring her heart out. I know so many times I have felt lost. Sometimes I still feel lost. I'm so thankful for her reminder that God is always there pursuing us. And I loved her explanation for anxiety, which is this, and this is her quote. Often we talk about anxiety as a primary emotion. It's a feeling and an experience, but it's actually a secondary emotion or a reaction. Anytime we're feeling anxiety, we can look at it as a clue. In my own life, I'm either believing a lie about who I am, about my identity, or I'm believing a lie about my sense of security. I learned the Greek word for anxiety is to be divided. It's seeking many sources for our worth. And I love how she goes on and talked about how when we make our source of our actions, worshiping God, that that transforms everything. And that's something that I'm definitely taking away from this conversation. Also, mind-blowing that Matthew 5-4 message version, which is our walk it out scripture of the day. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that when we're feeling that we've lost, whether we've lost our a person, a dream, the desire of our heart, that instead we are found by you. We are embraced by you. I thank you so much 
Lord, I pray for my listeners that those who may be feeling lost right now, that they will feel your presence in a way that they haven't experienced as they turn to you. I thank you that hope just means lifting our eyes to you and faith is lifting our eyes to you. Even if we don't have answers, we can have hope and faith in you. I pray for my listeners. I pray for Nicole. I pray that you will bless her, bless her kids, bless her ministry, and may her message of freedom go out as a proclamation of what you can do in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, thank you so much for tuning into the Walk It Out podcast. I am so thankful for all of you. Be sure to share this with a friend. May they be encouraged and inspired. And and I would love for you to connect with Nicole. We'll have all the links to connect with her on social media. But also drop me a note. Let me know through Instagram or Facebook, um, through my website, what you appreciate about these episodes. I know I'm encouraged. I would love to hear how you're encouraged too. I pray that you will have a blessed day and remember to turn to God and he will help you walk it out. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.